This audio presentation was pre-recorded and edited for brevity and clarity. Hello, I'm Michael Buckley with the Bright Focus Foundation, and welcome to today's Bright Focus chat, maintaining emotional health and vision during the pandemic. If you've never been on a Bright Focus chat, welcome. And I just want to tell you briefly about what we do. Uh, Bright Focus Foundation funds some of the top researchers in the world trying to find better treatments and cures for macular degeneration, glaucoma, and Alzheimer's. And we like to share the latest findings and research with families that are impacted by these diseases. And that's why we do the Bright Focus chat. It's a chance to bring, to bring a, an expert directly, directly to your home via the telephone uh, to learn, to learn uh, the latest news to help us get through uh, challenges of age-related diseases and now on top of that, the, the pandemic. I'd like to uh, welcome you to today's guest. She's been on Bright Focus chats a couple times over the years. It's Dr. Deidre Johnston. And Dr. Johnston is a geriatric psychiatrist at Johns Hopkins University in Baltimore. And Dr. Johnston is one of the nation's leading authorities on the impact of isolation and, and um, on uh, mental, mental health and, 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 and other aspects of, of, um, for, old, for older Americans. So we thought this was a particularly important time to, to welcome her to the chat and hear here uh, some some tips to help all of us uh, during during this time. So, Dr. Johnston, welcome back to the, to the Bright Focus chat. Thank you, Michael. It's good to be here. Well, thanks. Let's start kind of big picture. Um, you know, we're two three months into the pandemic and the and the quarantine. Uh, what are some of the challenges that uh, that older Americans are facing, particularly those who might have uh, uh, age related vision diseases? So I'll say, first of all, that in my experience, older adults are a lot more resilient than we give them credit for a lot of the time. So um, I always say you don't get to be 80 or 90 by being a pushover. So I think that's important to remind yourself if you're that age, you've made it that far. So you're not a pushover um, and you've dealt with a lot already. So um, and at the same time, though, some older adults may have an increased um, risk of certain types of, of mental health symptoms. Um, and sometimes those mental health symptoms aren't uh, diagnosable as a condition. They're just unsettling and distressing and um, may be hard to deal with. So we'll talk a little bit about how to cope with those symptoms. And, um, of course, this is new for everybody. We're all learning as we go along every day. This, this pandemic is causing us all to have to learn a whole lot of new stuff all at the same time. And of course, it's, it's even more difficult um, if you are dealing with chronic illness already and visual impairment and some of the other things that go with um, living to a, a good old age. Um, you know, there are more challenges for a lot of people. Appreciate that. And what are some of the specific signs of, um, of, of some mental health uh, stress, some of the, the, some of the specific signs of the toll that the pandemic uh, is taking on people? So a lot of people experience anxiety and, you know, I have to say that's normal for, that's a normal reaction to the unknown. So the, when it's not normal is when the anxiety gets to the point where it's interfering with a person's ability to function. Some people have the fear of not being in control and that's very distressing and, and, and often they're just not sure how to deal with that, even if they can't put a name on that feeling. But if you think about it, it may be the fear of not being in control. And sometimes people even feel helpless or depressed or even hopeless or, um, you know, some people can become clinically depressed. That's not that's not the most common thing, but it can happen in a situation like this. Um, people, some people have trouble sleeping. 
some may have appetite changes, and we're hearing about people who are gaining weight during the pandemic. But there are also people whose appetite is disrupted and they're not able to eat like they normally would, and they're losing weight, uh, or they're eating junk food, and that's not good for their nutrition. Um, some people feel fatigued or low; their energy is low because they're stressed, and this being stressed and feeling stressed and anxious actually drains energy, and you can feel fatigued because of it. Some people develop physical symptoms like uh, gastrointestinal symptoms, um, cramps, diarrhea, etc., or even or constipation too. And then some people develop more severe symptoms uh, sometimes that are associated with post-traumatic stress disorder, particularly people who've been in traumatic situations before and are re-experiencing the pandemic as a traumatic situation. And that's where, that is really a situation where a person would need to um, seek help from a mental health uh, provider. Um, and of course, the other thing for older people, uh, particularly people with, with sensory impairments, like you know impaired vision or hearing, the lack of social stimulation caused by the pandemic can actually increase your risk of depression and also increase your risk of cognitive impairment. Mm-hmm. So this is one of the reasons it's very important to maintain that social connection whatever way you can safely. Yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, one of the, you know, I just hear people talk about the pandemic as, as unprecedented. And I don't even know if unprecedented even comes close to describing it, but are there lessons that we can draw from previous traumatic events, you know, whether it's 9-11 or hurricanes, earthquakes, like are, are there are there things you know, about how we can cope, some coping strategies that we can take from, from other challenging times in our lives? Yes, uh, for sure. In fact, it's been compared to many of these disasters, such as a hurricane or a tornado. Um, it's something that has kind of swept us all up and suddenly changed everything. So it, it really is like a disaster. The difference between um, this, uh, the pandemic, and uh, disasters like that are that those disasters tend to be time limited, more time limited than this, even if it takes a while to recover from them. You know that things are going to be, you know, back working again in, in, in within weeks to months. This is a different type of situation, and we have to we have to develop more long-term coping uh, strategies. Um, and it's making quite a, a, a whole set of new demands on us, um, things that we've never had to do before. Um, so this can affect us in different ways, and 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 sometimes people are shocked they're in the beginning. They they don't believe this is happening. And many people may experience denial, and I think we're seeing a bit of that on you know, the news sometimes. We're seeing people who are saying, this isn't happening, it's not real, this is all made up. Um, that, that actually is a psychological, can be a psychological symptom of denial. Um, and sometimes people will experience that uh, before they're able to get to the point of dealing with it. And they, they may go from that to feeling sort of uncertain or confused and not sure what they should do. And some people may become depressed at that point. But to to adapt to it eventually involves letting go of just longing that things could stay the way they were. If you can get to that point, get beyond the longing of keep that the things would stay the way they were and progress to acceptance, then you're on your way to really dealing with it. And um, what that requires of you is to accept things as they are and then, then look for ways of coping with it and find ways, seek out ways of coping with it, find out how other, pe- how other people are coping with it, find out what resources are there, and then find strategies that, that you think might work for you. And then, of course, you test those strategies. You know, you find out, will this work? Will this, you know, how's it going to go? What do I have to do differently to make it work better? 
And then eventually you'll arrive at a point where actually where you're actually confident in dealing with this new challenge. Um, and, you know, you, you get there eventually with any any challenge. As you know, you've lived most people have, that are listening to this have lived long enough to have have coped with many challenges by now. And this yeah. is just another new challenge um, that we're all learning to deal with together. Yeah. No, thank you. I appreciate that, Dr. Johnson. So, Dr. Johnson, you know, to that point of accepting and trying to, you know, you hear people talk about focusing on the things you can control, and it sounds good. It sounds easy. Uh, I'm sure it's not. Do um, you have any, any tips on how we can do better at trying to focus on things we can control? So, um, yes, that's very important, and it's called active coping. And it's a much healthier way to approach things than to avoid dealing with them. Some, sometimes it's tempting to just, you know, hide away and just pretend it's not happening. And that actually works for a while, but then in the long run, it really puts you in a weaker position and makes it harder for you to cope. So active coping means focusing on what you can do to make things better. And some of the things you can do is be informed, find out have accurate information. And I'll talk about where you can get that accurate information. Because knowing what what you need to know to deal with this is the first step, and it's very important. And it does give you a sense of control when you know what's, what's happening. And that can be hard to find out these days what, where, the, where, the, where you can find accurate information. And then, of course, taking practical safety measures, like we'll talk about in a minute too, um, that's very important because once you have practical safety measures in place, it does restore a sense of security. And then focusing on what you can do. And this is a, this is a thinking process as much as anything else. And we know that if you dwell on negative thoughts and you, you become preoccupied with the negative things that can happen, that actually affects how you feel. And so there's a process called mindfulness that some of you may be familiar with um, where you, are, you become aware of your thought process. You pay attention to how you're thinking and what sort of a road you're going down in your thinking. And if you find yourself going down a negative road, catch yourself doing that and focus more on the practical everyday right now at this moment, things that you can do to make things a little better. And it might be a small thing. One of the biggest things you can do to make yourself feel better is to just sit for a minute and take slow, deep breaths and just focus on the sensations around you. That's the core of mindfulness. And it can be very helpful in getting your, your, your body and mind to a calmer place. It can slow down all the symptoms associated with anxiety. And it takes a little bit of practice, but even just sitting down and doing it when you're feeling anxious can make a very big difference. Yeah, well, yeah, that's a great point. And before we, you know, get into some some other parts of what you, things we can control, I want to share a listener question that I thought was really interesting, and I think a lot of us can relate to. Uh, listeners saying, you know, a lot of us wake up in the morning, and this is the day I'm going to take take charge, and here's some things that I can do, and you have this great big plan and a really long list for for things you can do, and then the energy and the enthusiasm wanes. So how do how do you manage trying to take control and do do things versus you know the reality of of we're all human and we all get tired and sometimes that can create some disappointment when people set an ambitious agenda and don't achieve it. So do, can you comment on that? That's a great question. Um, and in fact, I think a lot of people are dealing with that right now. Um, that you feel like you should be doing all of these things and you have time to do them now that you didn't have before. 
Um, but in fact, you really have to be kind to yourself right now. You're dealing with a lot already. Um, so my recommendation would be to select one thing, one goal for the day, and make it the smallest goal you can just to get rolling. One simple goal. One goal, in fact, that I would strongly encourage people to uh, uh, maintain, actually, is getting up at a consistent time every morning and having structure in your day. And it might even just be having breakfast at a certain time, uh, having some small activity in the, in the morning, you know, having lunch at a certain time, and having some an enjoyable activity in the afternoon. There's so much you're having to deal with right now that, that really if you can create something pleasant in your day, that's a reasonable goal and keep a consistent structure to your day. That's another reasonable goal. And then you can pick among the things that you would like to do, but don't try to do them all at once. That's, yeah. that's not being kind to yourself, and it's you know, kind of setting yourself up for failure, really. And there's no need. There's yeah. no need to do it that way. No, those are great points. Thank you, Dr. Johnston. And, you know, I, I know a lot of us know at some level that this is the time where we really need to eat healthy, well-balanced meals and exercise. Um, how any, you know, that can seem pretty overwhelming. Any suggestions on how to, you know, take care of our body, um, you know, uh, you know, how to get going on that when it feels kind of overwhelming? Yes. Well, of course, the basics are, um, you know, practice hygiene, wash your hands and, and um, do the things that are recommended, including wear a ma wearing a mask if you have to be around people, you know, minimizing your exposure to uh, places where there are going to be a lot of people. And and I'll come back to that again in a minute. But um, this is a time to really pay attention to your nutrition and try to make to select healthier food choices. This is really taking care of yourself, choosing foods that are more likely to help you feel better and function better. A lot of people have a craving for junk foods, and that's partly due to anxiety because it's, the junk foods can be comforting. But that's not really a, a, um, a good way to manage anxiety. Um, again, this comes back to mindfulness and paying attention to what you're thinking and doing. Um, walking, a little bit of exercise, is very essential. It doesn't have to be a whole lot. I mean, even just getting up and walking out in your in your hallway or your garden, if you have a garden, or your neighborhood, if there's a place you can walk safely. Um, that's That really can help a lot. And some exposure to daylight can really change your mood. It can really improve things. That exposure to daylight can actually positively affect your brain. So staying inside all the time and not being exposed to daylight can actually negatively affect your, your mood. So those are some things you can do. Yeah. Um, structure, a little bit of exercise, and, and smart selections, nutritional selections. Um, those would be my recommendations. Those are those are great tips, and and so Dr. Johnston, um, you know, we talked about the the, the some of the, maybe the, the predecessors to predecessors to this in the past, you know, nine eleven or earthquakes or other things. I, I think one of the big differences is back then there might not have been the internet, there might not have been twenty four hour news and all that. How how does someone balance being a responsible, informed citizen and just the torrent of, of information out there. It, it seems like what, neither extreme seems healthy. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think? So that actually is another very important topic. Um, it's important to be informed. Um, and there are places you can get information from. 
Um, my recommendation would not be to watch news shows and talk shows all day, because if you notice what they do, they just repeat the same stuff over and over and over again, and um, they're sensationalist about it, and they choose topics that are upsetting and that are contentious. Um, whichever channel you wa- you're watching, if it is a talk show, it, that actually is very um, has a very negative effect on your mental health, particularly if you're already anxious. You won't get any more information watching those shows, but it will very likely make you feel more anxious. So my recommendation is um, avoid those talk shows. They're very bad for your mental health, including and particularly watching um, the talk shows or the news going to bed. So have a um, you know get your information early in the day. And get it from a reliable source. Um, you know, don't go trolling the internet looking for you know the the latest bit of you know scare scare information that's out there. Um, the CDC actually, uh, you know, we've, we're hearing negative things. We're hearing all sorts of um, confusing things actually. But the CDC actually does have good information on their website. It's practical information, and it's up to date, and it's informed by the the most accurate uh, scientific knowledge of the, of our of the moment and that's where to go to get the information you need not not um, talk shows so yeah. my away from talk shows God, great 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 advice and i think uh you can re- related to that you know as part of that uh, you know being responsible and learning the latest about about you know covid-19 how do you manage i guess what an extreme would be hypochondriac but it seems like it, it, you hear so many different things to war- to keep an eye out for for covid-19 you know different different you know indications of problems how do you manage that because it it just seems very complicated how do you how do you manage almost maybe keeping too good of an eye out for symptoms yeah, so that's a great question, Michael, because it is a fine balance. Um, you want to be informed and you want to know what to watch out for, but you don't want to worry about every symptom you have. So, um, you know, your primary care doctor is there for you. And if you're if you're having symptoms, call the primary care doctor and report the symptoms. Now, the symptoms to be concerned about, I think you've all heard about them, um, you know, Older people can tend to have um, unusual, more unusual symptoms. So, for instance, for for many older people, if there's and this this actually, if this happens with or without COVID um, going on, um, call, this would be a reason to call your doctor. A change in level of consciousness, lethargy, increased tendency to fall. Those are kind of non-specific symptoms that can indicate that an older person is sick and. That would be a reason to call your doctor. And those can be nonspecific symptoms of COVID-19, but they can even be a symptom of a urinary tract infection or pneumonia, so those, any kind of pneumonia. So those would be reasons to call your doctor. And I think everybody has heard that you can have a cough with this, you can have a fever with it, you can lose your sense of taste or smell. So if any of those things happen, um, if you develop a new cough, if you develop a fever, if you notice that your sense of smell or taste has changed or that you've lost your sense of smell or taste, those would be reasons to call your doctor. Mm-hmm. But the, the way you can um, sort of manage the anxiety about symptoms, about having these symptoms um, or constantly worrying about yourself is to do some of these other things that, that, uh, that are recommended. Mm-hmm. 
nice. and to practice the safety measures that the CDC recommends. Yeah, and to your to your point about um, you know working with your doctors, we have a a, a question. Um, a woman from Montana has a question about telemedicine, and and I think understandably this is a part of medicine. It seems like it's been kind of thrust upon uh, a, you know a somewhat unprepared America. Um, so how you know how do you keep in touch with your doctors during this time? Like tips for telemedicine. Telemedicine. Um, you mm-hmm. know how how do you make this work out okay? So you know um, actually one of the there have been some good things that have happened as a result of the pandemic, and one of them is that it has increased access to telemedicine. And for people who have visual impairment or mobility impairment or who have difficulty getting to the doctor's appointments for whatever reasons, or whose family can't get them there. Um, telemedicine is a godsend uh, because you can see your doctor from your home. And, you know, I, I myself have done telemedicine for many years with some of my particularly vulnerable patients. Um, but the nice thing now is that it's actually it's become mainstream. And, um, and, and a lot of people might be daunted by the technology. And, you know, we're all learning how to use the technology, the doctors too. So the doctors are daunted as well. But everybody's learning how to do this, and we're all in the same boat together. Um, so uh, some doctor's offices, I think most doctor's offices, are helping patients set up their device at home and connect. And a lot of the devices that you can use, are they're very readily available, um, and they're not so expensive anymore um you know you can get you can use a desktop with a webcam if you already have a desktop um you know you you could attach a webcam to it a webcam costs like you you can get them for as cheap as about twenty dollars now you used to be able to they may be a little more expensive at the moment but they're still worth it um you can use your iphone or your smartphone whatever smartphone you use you can use your daughter or your son's smartphone or your grandkids' smartphone. And grandkids are great at actually helping with, with these, these, um, these issues. So if you are, are able to be with one of your grandkids or your, your, one of your children, then um, that person, can you can use their phone and the doctor will set it up for you to, to get the call through their, their phone or get the link, the link through their phone. It's usually through a link, and we're using a program called Polycom, but we also use the other platforms like Zoom and Doximity. And I think everybody around the country is trying out this platform and that platform to see what works best for them. Uh, but ask your doctor's office for help if you're not sure how to do it. That, I think, is the most important um, point I can make here. And don't be scared of it. Um, there are tips and tricks for setting up your, your, your device so that the doctor can see you more easily. Um, one of the things I find is sometimes I'm looking at the top of a person's head um, and I want to see their face. So uh, set up the device so that the doctor can see you and make sure the light's falling on your face because if the light's behind you, the doctor will just see you in shadow. So set it up so you're facing the light and that the doctor can actually see your face because it makes a very big difference for them to be able to do that. And you should be able to see the doctor's face too. So if you if you cannot see the doctor's face clearly, ask the doctor to adjust uh, where they're sitting or adjust the light so that you can see them. No, that's great. That's a, a great advice. And and I think you know that kind of gets to the beginning of the reopening of of, of society that that all parts of the country are are starting at at varying varying degrees of of speed. So as people start to get out a little bit grocery stores um you 
you know, maybe people that people who need to take public transportation. Uh, any advice for how we we balance maybe the mental health urge to 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 get out uh, a little bit, um, and you know maybe whether it's groceries or appointments. Like, but yet you know the pandemic's still here. Any any tips for how people should should gradually re-enter um, their previous life? Yeah, so of course everybody, a lot of people are are tired of being cooped up. Now I will say that I have patients who have said to me, "Hey, it's no problem at all. I've been I've been at home most of the time anyway. I'm just not I I'm not doing very much different now. So that's nice for them. Um, you know, a lot of them are already using devices to connect with families and staying home. But if, if you're somebody that likes to get out and about and get on with things, um, you can be sensible about how you do this. And and I think, you know, a lot of the young people are racing out and they're wanting to do everything. And, um, you know, energy is great. Um, but I, I think they're not, you know, they, they actually, you know, crowds of young people together. Um, that's not a good situation where because the virus is out there. And so you want to stay away from crowds of people or, you know, places where there are pe- people packed in whatever age they are. If there are crowds of people somewhere, that's not a place you want to be. Um, I would recommend continuing to wear your mask in public places to minimize the risk. There, There's controversy about masks, as you probably know if you've been watching TV. Uh, there is evidence that wearing a mask reduces your risk of transmitting it if you have it, and you can have it without being without having symptoms. But it also does reduce your risk of catching it, as long as you wear the mask properly with your nose and mouth covered. And don't touch the mask. If it's a cloth mask, wash it when you get home. Uh, wash it regularly anyway. If it's a... Um, if it's a whatever other kind of mask, just use, follow the manufacturer's instructions on how to use it. Um, but one good important thing to know is don't touch the outside of your mask when you're among people because you're breathing the air in through that mask and any virus that's on the air that you're, that you're drawing towards your mouth is going to end up on that mask. So And wash your hands often. Um, try not to touch things uh, when you're out and about. And some grocery stores, I think, are still doing um, special hours for shopping, for grocery shopping. So I would say continue to take advantage of that opportunity and don't go when the grocery store is crowded. And and buy enough supplies so you're not having to go to the grocery store too often. But continue to be very cautious here because the virus is still out there. It has not gone away. And the reason that it's not... um, That it's not... That the, the rate of infection is slowing down is because people have been very careful these last several weeks to months. That's great. Now, great tips. And um, I want to sort of blend your last two answers together where you, you, know, you gave great ideas about telemedicine and some, some, some really helpful tips about getting, getting out. As people start going back to their, to our doctor's office, regardless of the, of the, the, the type of medicine, how, how is that going to work? I mean, do you see ways that, like, how do you think uh, medical appointments will, will be different from this point on? So I, I, I can tell you, um, already I'm, I'm um, hearing that doctors are spacing out appointments so that there's, they're not filling up the waiting rooms. Um, it, I think it's depending on how much space they have in their waiting rooms, but they're trying to keep people out of their waiting rooms. They may ask you to wait in the car before you come in, and they'll call you from the car. Um, they are spacing out appointments so that people's appointments aren't overlapping, so there's fewer, there are fewer opportunities for people to uh, be exposed or expose each other. 
Um, so I think that's going to be um, that's going to be one of the changes we'll see. Um, I, I think that it would be reasonable if to ask your doctor to continue to use telemedicine if that's working for you and if it's appropriate given whatever you're being seen for. There are many conditions where your doctor just needs to check in with you and doesn't need to have you come into the office. And um, I, I would I would recommend asking if you can continue if it's not something that you need to be there for. Another tip I can give you. If the doctor needs to have you come in to check your vital signs, um, you can get a, a, a blood pressure cuff. You can get pretty reliable electronic blood pressure, cu pressure cuffs. And you can check your own vital signs. And you can have that information available for the doctor when, when you see the doctor via telemedicine. And all of these things give you a little bit more independence and control over the situation. And it, it can help, uh, again, minimize your exposure uh, by having to sit in waiting rooms. Yeah, no, that, that's great, great advice. I do think things are going to be different now. I've got a, an interesting question from from a listener. Uh, you know, I'll sort of paraphrase. I mean, the rest of people's lives go on during pandemics, uh, you know, in ways good and bad. So our, this caller for, from Connecticut is wondering if you have to make sort of bigger decisions, life changes uh, during this time. Any any tips for how to do that uh, in the best way possible? Well, that's a broad question. It depends on what the big decision is, I guess. Um, you know, we should always have advanced directives, for instance. That should be something that we do, and a lot of us don't because we just don't think we need to do it. But it's always a good idea to have designated um, what you would want done for you um, if you're so sick you can't make your own decisions, or who would you want to designate as the person that that can make decisions on your behalf. So that's something you should... Do, you should take care of anyway. It's just one good thing to have taken care of and one less worry for you and your family. In terms of um, mo moving or selling your house or um, those things, that's, that could be a very individual decision depending on what your present circumstances are and what the, what the plan is. However, if it's something that's not absolutely necessary and doesn't have to happen now, I would say you can wait, uh, wait a bit um, and, and, you know, um, try to try to time it at a, at a time when things are a bit safer. Um, I would avoid going on cruises or you know big trips. I don't think you even can go on a cruise at the moment. I wouldn't be the first one back on a cruise ship uh, if they do open up. I can tell you, um, those are situations where you really are exposed to um, the potential for infection. Um, but you know big decisions like you know getting married or selling a house or Moving, um, I think those are those are pretty individual decisions. If they were, if if the if the question was more specific, I might. Be yeah, no, no, those those are those are great points because no, the question wasn't more specific. But yeah, right, there are houses and cars to buy and sell, and other you know personal or professional yeah. things that things that go on in your in in your life. Um, just time for uh, maybe one or two more questions, and then we'll we'll conclude. Um, uh, we have a, a caller from Virginia wondering about well, you know getting together with kids and grandkids um you know it's been a long time since people have seen have seen uh those really special relatives but how how should that how should that happen or you know this summer that's a very important question we're all missing our grandkids and we're all missing our families and friends um you know i i hope everybody is using some kind of video uh, interaction with them because that can help reduce the loneliness I would say, um, it, again, um, 
use discretion and common sense. If your family members are people who have to be in contact with a lot of other people, say they're, you know, they're working in a service industry where they have to be in contact with people, if the children are in school or, you know, in, in daycare um, and you're an older adult, uh, you, you might, it might be unwise to get start getting together in in groups of people and um, it may be okay to get together out of doors um with spacing and wearing masks and hand washing and all that but i, I would uh, be cautious um you know you see people you see, there's those pictures on the weekend of the people crowding at the beach that's not the way to do it um you know but seeing your family is important so if you can if you can you know make sure that they're you know, there's minimal likelihood of them having been exposed and carrying the virus to you and maybe set things up so that you're not crowded into a small space indoors um, and you meet with them as a small group, I think it, 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 that may be safer, a safer way of going about um, reconnecting with your family. No, that's great. I know a lot of us can't, can't wait to do it, but we also want to be responsible. So to our listeners, uh, before we wrap, wrap up with some final remarks, from Dr. Deidre Johnston. Uh, so, Dr. Johnston, just uh, any kind of final remarks about um, you, you've given us some some really good perspective and a lot of very, very specific uh, tips that we that we can do in our lives. Just sort of any any kind of general concluding advice for us all. Well, you know, I think we're 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 learning new things, which isn't always a bad thing. Um, we're facing new challenges, and and you know, I, I'm seeing with my patients that they're rising to those challenges very well as older adults. My patients tend to be all elderly, um, and you know, resilience. Um, a lot of the people listening to this call have a good deal of resilience, and as I've said, they've faced a lot of challenges in their lives before. Um, so you know, this is just one new challenge. Um, and you know, being taking care of themselves is very important, and getting accurate information is very important, and keeping structure in the day. Don't ask too much of yourself at the moment, and um, you know, stay connected to your friends and family, whatever way is the safest for you. Those would be my recommendations. Well, that's great. That's great advice. And and to our listeners, our, our next chat will be. Wednesday, June 24th, we'll feature a, uh, a leading ophthalmologist from the Washington, D.C. area who will um, be able to answer your questions and talk about how the, a trip to the eye doctor uh, will, will be different in the future. So uh, please, please uh, join us again on June 24th. And again, when the call concludes, you can leave a voicemail message uh, for, um, for anything that Bright Focus can help you with. Again, it was a, a transcript of today or um, or other other resources. Um, so again, um, you can always call Bright Focus at 800-437-2423. Again, that's 800-437-2423. You can find us on the internet at brightfocus.org. So Dr. Johnston, on behalf of Bright Focus and behalf of, of today's listeners, I just want to thank you for, uh, for giving us some great advice. I think today was a very well-timed conversation. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. Great. On behalf of Bright Focus, uh, thanks to everybody for joining the Bright Focus chat, and we will talk with you soon. Thanks. The information provided in this recording is a public service of Bright Focus Foundation and is not intended to constitute medical advice. Please consult your physician for personalized medical, dietary, and or exercise advice.
Any medications or supplements should only be taken under medical supervision. Bright Focus Foundation does not endorse any medical products or therapies.